0: Kales. And I'm Allison. And this is YWYA. Welcome to YWYA, a podcast for readers. I'm Kales. I work in a bookstore and I'm a booktuber and this is my co-host Allison. Hi, I'm Allison. I'm a librarian and a general YA enthusiast. We are both avid readers and love uh, all things YA And by all things, I mean the majority of the books that are YA. There are some (laughs) YA books that we are not fans of, and there are a great many books that are not YA that we're fans of. Basically, basically, I'm pretty bird now. Um, Basically, we love YA books, and we think that they have a place in this world, um, and it's something that we feel very passionately enough about to talk about on a podcast. And, yeah, so please join us. Uh, Welcome if you're joining us for the first time. If you're back for another round, thank you so much. Uh, We encourage you guys to give us five stars and check out our social media uh, at YWYA pretty much everywhere. Yeah. And uh, YWYA.weebly.com is where our site is. And we've been playing some games and doing kind of fun things in the past couple of episodes, but um, this time we're going to have a discussion between the two of us because that's like everybody who's here (laughs) on this podcast. I mean, sometimes we have guests. Like your husband? The one time. The one time we had guests. That's a really funny episode. We we just think Nate missed his calling and should have been a writer. Um, <laughs> but that's probably what makes him so good is that there's like no pressure to story tell and he just does numbers all day. Yeah. Um. But yeah, w- what are we going to talk about today, Allison? We're going to talk about why literature's, and I use the word
1: literature only because I have to in this context. I don't actually like that word, but um. YA's YA books place in school reading and required reading for schools and yeah how that looks what that means and this will be a general defense of using YA in schools just as a yes. disclaimer
0: yeah we we kind of like YA around here it's in our title it's in our brand um so we're we're both very much in favor of having YA literature in schools and being taught um i mean because it's in my nature i might ask a couple of devil's advocate questions but it's not because that defers any at all from my opinion. Unlike the self-publishing episode where it was like, you were on one side and I was on another. But It was this, a true debate. It was a true debate. This one we're more on the same side and want to just have a general discussion as to why we think YA books should be in schools and why they're not. Um, I want to ask you, what are some of the books that you had to read in schools? Did you have to read any YA?
1: So looking back at, like, my ju- junior year is when I had the most books that were not, um, like, textbooks. Like, you know, I had I had literature classes where we had real books that we read, but none of them were YA. They were all adult literature books. Like, we read um, East of Eden. We read The Art of Racing in the Rain. We read um, Water for Elephants, which were all contemporary books, which was really great. Like, it was kind of a departure from the classic English teacher thing where they make you read super classic books.
0: Lord of the Flies, Great Gatsby.
1: Right. Right. Which I had to read all those too, just not that year. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we read, you know, some more contemporary stuff, things that had come out within five years of the date (laughs) that I was reading them, but none of them were young adult. They were all adult literature. And I don't know if that was because my teachers specifically didn't
0: want us to read young adult or if it was just because they don't know about it? Well, I, for me, I didn't, I didn't get the opportunity to read any young adult in high school. I, I went to a high school and I did the international baccalaureate program in there. So I had a well-rounded in terms of diverse reading. Um, like I remember one year we spent one whole year on Spanish literature where we read like water for chocolate Hundred Years of Solitude, House of Spirits, and and another time we did, like, went around the globe and did all these sorts of ones, like, Things Fall Apart, and mm-hmm. Things They Carried, and, you know, very rarely did I come out reading, like, I did have to read, like, The Great Gatsby and stuff, but I remember not really having to read a lot of, like, the Great American Classics. Like, I'd never read Faulkner until I hit college, and I never read Mark Twain. Right. I never, you know what I mean? Like, those were not ones that i really had to read you know i had a like heat and dust was set in india there were a lot of weird ones and i mean unless you want to count lord of the flies as ya which we do shelve it there and it's just old know, it's just older um but there's contemporary
1: ya's lord of the flies was technically published before ya became a category
0: yeah exactly and it it It's something, like, even To Kill a Mockingbird I didn't have to read in school. I only read it because my boyfriend said it was his favorite book. Oh, I did have to read that one. No, I didn't have to read that one, which that one would also technically be classified as YA because of the age of uh, Scout. Scout. And so, I don't know. I I wonder why do you think it is a difficulty level thing? Because that's an argument that I've heard a lot, that the difficulty level of classic American novels, or classic novels, you know, literature novels that we read... It's they're at a higher reading level, a higher comprehens comprehension level, and YA I've heard doesn't match that. I just don't think that's true, partially because I think
1: the reason, and this is, you know, just my opinion, but I think the reason this whole thing is our opinion, <laughs> of course, but like I think the reason that um, I, I just think teachers might disagree with me, but I think the reason a lot of like quote, classic American novels, like, the great American novels are what people read in school, is because they're grandfathered in and no one wants to do any work to change the curriculum. That's interesting. Because, like, honestly, like, some of the things I had to read, like, um, oh, Nathaniel Hawthorne's, um, Scarlet Letter, I wanted to kill that book. Like, I literally, if I had the ability to murder a book, I would have murdered that book. I didn't have to read it. And I didn't finish it. Like, I honestly just, like, spark noted the end because I couldn't get through it. And it's it's considered a higher reading level, but only because the English, it's the book is so old that the
0: English that's being used isn't modern, so it's harder to comprehend. So then I wonder, like, what would be a good replacement for Scarlet Letter? Like, what were you trying to be taught that you think would be a good replacement? Because that's something that I always thought about as I was like... One of the things that I love, and I'm, I'm a student of parody, it's one of my absolute favorite things. I wrote my extended essay, 4,000 word essay, and I wrote my senior thesis in college on parody. And that to me is a great bridge between the classics and modern texts. And so being able to study something, like one of the examples I would always use is The Fault in Our Stars. And like, what if you read The Fault in Our Stars in class, right? But then you read all of the books that John Ruff What if you read all of the books that John Green references within The Fault in Our Stars? You know, I mean, of course, there's the made-up one that he has, which is, like, the basis of all of it. But he has allusions, and which are references to other ones. The Fault in Our Stars is literally a a quote from Julius Caesar. Right. So what if you read that Central YA book, and that was, like the topic for the semester, or the trimester, however your schools break it down, and then you read the other ones to recognize that this contemporary book is built on the backs of others, which is what I think schools are trying to teach children in by reading the old classics. So a, yeah, the language is outdated, and it's harder, That it's a harder comprehension level, but I think it's trying to prepare them and show them what has come before so that they can help create anew and recognize what is new. So, like, for instance, I I took a college course and we were reading Dante's Inferno. And there was an example when hell gets turned on its head and they move into Purgatorio. And I was like, oh, my gosh, it's like uh, Pirates of the Caribbean and Dead Man's Chest or whenever they take Johnny Depp out of the, it might have been the third movie, but whatever. And the whole class understood what I was saying, but the professor laughed at me. Because she didn't know the reference, the newer reference, and I was like, "No, no, no! Watch this clip, please." I emailed her, and she did. And the next day, it was up on the screen in college because she was like, "Look at what this referenced." So I don't know. That's why I always thought was an easy transition to put YA books in. And I don't understand why there's such a hesitancy to even include YA books. Do you feel like that's changing at all? I mean, I guess it's hard to
1: say because I know I, we're not in high school. We're not <laughs> in high school, but like for me, so so take um, the Scarlet Letter as an example. That book, I think, I mean, it's been a while, but I think... You also spark noted it. No, but I mean, like, in terms of what I was supposed to be learning Mm -hmm. from the book, why, why we were reading it, um, we were talking about, you know, parts of, of literature, and I think a big part of us reading that book was learning about, um, symbolism and allegory. Yeah. Symbolism and allegory. I was bashed over the head, Five million times about that book. What do the blue curtains mean? I don't think they mean anything. I think Nathaniel Hawthorne was just kind of a jerk. Um, But honestly, like, it was just symbolism and allegory. And there are books that use symbolism and allegory all over the place that are not 100 years old. Like, I'm trying to think of a good YA example.
0: Well, I just read Children of Blood and Bone, which is a great uh, representative of racism, prejudice in American society. Um, And what's brilliant about it is that it talks about the attempts people make to change their viewpoint, while also the people that had magic were living in fear their whole lives and the empathy it requires to connect that. And so you could take Children of Blood and Bone and take what am I thinking of, uh, like, roots or something and, like, read them in tandem and so that kids might be able to understand them better, you know, or Uncle Tom's Cabin or, you know, uh, things fall apart. Any number of books that deal with racism and prejudice is a huge issue, but then throw in a couple fantasy in it and then they can better understand it, maybe. Um, I don't know. That's If you're trying to do, like, symbolism and allegory of, like, what do the blue curtains mean, again, I go back to like, Fault in Our Stars. And, like, he's got a lot of symbolism on there. Like, there's so many literary quotes. It's, like, let my, hit my head over the desk, you know? And I don't know. I, I don't understand why people don't take YA books so seriously that they can't be taught in schools. Wouldn't it be better to have the children read than just have them read stuff they're not necessarily interested
1: in? I don't know. Well, I think another, another good point for why why a book should be included in the curriculum um take like thug like the hate you give yeah or take all American boys and have a discussion about you know if you're if you're looking at historical racism in your curriculum and you're using you know an older book like roots or um, something like that to explore that you should also have a contemporary example and we have, wonderful, beautiful, poignant books written about these contemporary issues like The Hate You Give and All American Boys that are really great tools to explore how that racism has developed over the centuries, what we're experiencing now. And you actually, as a teacher, would then be able to have a, a real conversation with your students about their experiences, how they see things in their contemporary view. Because I think a big issue I had when we're reading classic classics is you don't connect to them necessarily. Like, you may understand why you should connect to them, you know, on a conceptual level. You say, okay, like, sure, I recognize this part of this book is also still a thing in real life, but the characters are not representative of you. Right. And if you can use a book that has characters that are representative like so many YA books and like we're really there's been a huge push in the past few years to get books that have diverse characters and strong like representation it's going to connect a lot more with those kids um and be a stronger impact and they're going to remember they're going to both remember why they read the book and what impact it had on their life and what the lesson was
0: right and going back to your thought about like reading contemporary novels with these, with serious issues, like, I think my head popped up with, like, Lolita. Yes. And Speak, or uh, The Way I Used to Be, or all these other, my head went to Room, and then I was like, that's not YA. But, like, you know, it's, it's this whole, and Room is told from a great, like, unreliable narrator's perspective. I understand that Room is not YA, but it's told from a five-year-old boy's perspective. So, like, Throw in Room and Great Gatsby. Talk about unreliable narrators all damn day long. Like, just do it. Or, you know, I think about Dorian Gray being one of the first, like, LGBT books. You know, it's just like, why is this not something that we can put together and examine and and realize that we can still teach children the same Lessons. lessons and the same, you know, literary techniques? Like, I even think about, you know, my senior thesis was on... Northanger Abbey by Jane Austen which is probably one of the least popular of Jane Austen's novels which makes me sad because it's so good but you you almost have to read what came before it which is the gothic novels that she's making fun of in the parody in order to understand Northanger Abbey which is why a lot of people don't like it yeah you know and I think that there's a way to kind of bridge that gap I read the gothic novels and I found Northanger Abbey hilarious because it was making fun of these things but if you don't know you're missing that connection, then it was harder to laugh at it and harder to enjoy it. So I think the connection is finding characters that there are their own age in a contemporary world um, or, you know, fantasy in a way that they can, you know, connect to characters their own age. That's why YA exists, you know, and, you know, Harry Potter has freaking allusions to the bible go for it you know like there are so many things that you can connect in that like gosh can i make a whole martyrdom jesus sacrifice hero something like you can study the hero's journey from these things don't make me sit and read siddhartha which claims to be one of the first books with a hero's journey in it let me watch star wars let me read harry potter let me look at those symbols to myself and like there's so many things that we can do that pull at the hero's journey or mess up structure or multiple points of view. That's why these exist. And I'm not saying to get rid of the classics. My real big thing is the integration of YA to not discredit it.
1: Well, and it's interesting because I think high school, like if we're talking about high school specifically, um, I'm sure that there are teachers that do a great job and integrate YA. But I think in a general sense, there's kind of a it's like, it's almost lazy. Like, this is the curriculum. I don't want to have to read more books to find these other things in a more contemporary setting. Mm -hmm. But, like, in college, I literally took a class that was called Harry Potter and Religion, and it was an exploration. We read all seven Harry Harry Potter books, and it was an exploration of the religious themes in Harry Potter, including... Christ's, you know, hero's journey, um, including um, pagan symbolism, including, we had, there was like, um, I think there was a whole, I'm trying to remember, I think there was like a whole section on Norse mythology. That's cool. So these kind of ideas exist, but a lot of times you get them in a college setting where a professor is like, I had this really great idea. And I think I can make a class out of it, but because there's no really like the structure of college is so different than high school where there's like so many extracurricular classes you can take and you don't
0: necessarily need to take. You know, there's not, like, English one. And, like, you know... I'm going to disagree with you on that point because I think it's subjective to the college because, like, my college, you could not move that curriculum if you came in with a freaking herd of elephants. Like, it would not have changed. These professors had so narrow-minded, like I said, just to get the teacher to, like, not laugh at me about this clip, I had to write her this long email and ask that she not... that she take me more seriously, you know? And I couldn't get people to talk about parodies of Pride and Prejudice or Inferno or whatever for the life of me. The professors were like so stuck in their academic ways of being superior to the trash that is modern literature. It, it is, it was so upsetting. And I found in high school that it was more lenient because I thought reading the things they carried Was more modern You know what I mean Because Dear God Or Life of Pi Life of Pi was like Within the last ten years And thank God I got to read that So mine I would say Is a little opposite From yours But again I think it's subjective I did do the IB program Which was a little bit More uh, Rigorous uh, Lenient Rigorous But lenient In terms of what we read Um, Well but I mean I mean yeah I had to read Jane Aaron's stuff But But I mean in high school I read
1: contemporary novels too But they were all adults it was, yeah. it was literature.
0: Yes, literature. Right? There, there's Which no... is funny that, like, Water for Elephants is... Not, like, Water for Elephants. Water for Elephants is literature. That's weird to me. Right. But so, but
1: for me, like, um... And that's interesting. That's... Yeah, I guess it's, like, depends on what college you go to. Like, I took a class called Food and Film, where we literally watched movies that had... That were, like, centered on food or food consumption or something. And explored these, like, thematic renderings and, like, what that meant. Well, I went to the wrong college. And that was really cool. But, so, like, so, yeah, but, like, there, I just, for me, it was, like, in high school, there wasn't a lot of wiggle room to kind of branch out in that way. Yeah. Um, now, I will say, I did have a, an an English teacher in, El, not elementary school, in middle school, that we did, like, one quarter we all read like a book they were like all contemporary books yeah um and i think some of those were ya and i don't i didn't read a ya book though i read the a child called it oh my gosh in 8th grade um which is a horrifying book um
0: talk about literary in middle school though my middle school was weird finish your story and then I'll go to mine but no you going
1: but i think some people like got to read like i think i was given that book because
0: Your reading level was higher. My reading level was higher. See, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That they don't think it's at a high enough level. And I don't know if they're right or wrong because I'm not a teacher and I can't say that, but that's the excuse I get more often than anything else is that YA books are not at a high enough reading level. My middle school experience was twofold. We did these things called exploratories where we got to pick a subject and read 100 hours worth on that subject, period. Didn't matter what it was. So I picked Italy... And could read the Stravaganza series. You had to do some research, and then you had to do a half an hour to an hour presentation where you would take over the class and have activities and all these things. Once, I read the entire Chicken Soup for the Soul series. I read a bunch of those, and I got Campbell's to donate soup to my class because of the Chicken Soup for the Soul books. Right? Really? Like, that? Yeah. I did so many cool things with that. And, like, one exploratory, I did pen pals. My whole thing was to read books that were letters. And so I read in different forms, like, format. And I reached out to a school in England and created pen pals for my fellow students in England as a part of my exploratory. Like, that's what we did. But I also went to a crazy middle school. That also being said, I had to read Sophie's World, which is this, like, two-inch thick book filled with this 13-year-old girl learning about philosophers. And they literally, like, have explicit sex at the end. Like, it was a huge deal for us to read that book. And I also read The Tao of Pooh*. Okay? Like, talk about comprehension level, learning about a whole different religion. And, you know, I was in seventh grade at the time, and I was like, I don't understand. It was high comprehension level. We were able to integrate what we wanted to read with actual research and high-level reading. And it it, it was a great blend that I wish that everyone had Um, but yeah, in high school, especially college, college was the hardest one for me, I think really, because I had to fight back against some really traditional, and I came from an untraditional education. I had to fight against some real traditional college level English courses that were like, you will study English literature one, two, pre-century, third century, and I'm like, oh my gosh, it was brutal and nothing contemporary. Nothing was contemporary. I obviously lost the battle, but I think it's valid. I think YA books, there are great things to learn. If we don't want to just move with Harry Potter, but, like, you could read fairy tales. God, could could you imagine a whole entire semester where you read, like, classic fairy tales and study those Hans Christian Andersen and Grimm brothers and then read, like, Queen of Hearts or Cinder or something? And what did they take and how did they change it? And what does that do for the story and I don't know. I just think that there's opportunities being missed. And I don't know. Has it changed at all? Like, I'm not so. in high school, but I, I like to think that I get some librarians at least. I don't know about English teachers, but I get a lot of librarians that are like, I need good books to recommend to my kids, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, and that's de- definitely true. Like, when I look at my social media kind of network, um my far-flung network of, you know, professional contacts and groups and stuff, I see librarians and English teachers striving to create, to change the status quo. Yeah. I see them striving to incorporate books like The Hate You Give or The Perks of Being a Wallflower. Yes. Or, you know, all these books that incorporate these themes that they're already talking about and that are part of the, you know, standard curriculum, but in a much more approachable and honestly, better way.
0: Well, it's like Battle of the Books, which is this thing that our local high schools do, and I was a judge for it, which was super great. Allison judged, too. Yeah, we were both judges. We were both judges, and which was actually hilarious that we didn't know we were doing this together, but it was in separate parts of our lives, and yet we were there. We were like, what are you doing here? So, yeah, we were both judges. But that group of books that they gave them, granted, it was a voluntary extra credit thing, had Fangirl uh Hidden Ms. Figures, Murder on the Orient Express, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, Miss um, Peregrine's Home Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Your Children. Like it had such great variety. It even had Sarah Dessen
1: book. It had this. Lullaby. It did. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was like it
0: was contemporary and it had The Westing Game. I think was one of them too. Right. Like it had contemporary and it was all high school based, but like. Murder on the Orient Express and Hidden Figures are adult books. Yeah. And, but they still had,
1: like, it was great discussions. It was basically a trivia competition, but really it was a reading comprehension comprehension competition. Yes. So they they had teams that went up against each other and they answered books, they answered questions about each book um, and, you know, went through a bracket and then eventually it was like the final round and the questions were really hard. I mean, honestly, I...
0: When I'm just reading for myself as an adult, I don't read that closely. Right, you have to read that closely in order for the competition. So there's things like that that make it interesting and fun as well. You know, these, these teens, while, yeah, they have to volunteer to do the teams, and some of them get extra credit if they do, this is encouraging to them to read ten books that are from a wide array, including many YA books, you know? Yeah, like over half. Yeah, over half of them. I would say probably 70% of them were YA. Yeah. I think one was junior fic, but still. It's, and it depends how you classify Harry Potter, too. Fair. But,
1: and another thing that, so, thinking about my high school experience, thinking about why we were reading the books we were reading, my social studies and English classes were integrated. Okay, so humanities. Right, that's not what they called it, but yeah, uh, Oh, that's what we
0: called it in middle school. Yeah,
1: so, so basically I had two teachers in this one, in one classroom. I had a social studies teacher and I had an English teacher, and depending on the day, one of them was, like, the lead. And so we would be learning about, say, the Vietnam War,
0: and we were reading the things they carried. Yeah, that was very much my education in IB. Like, we would read something in English class that we could relate to biology and theory of knowledge, which was a philosophy class, and that that's very similar to me. So that's another question, another devil's Advocate question is, are there YA books that can fit into those categories? I don't know about any Vietnam YA books, but if you want to do a world unit on World War II, just hand them every Rudus Petty's book and call it a day. I think Salt of the Sea was actually another one on that list for book battles. Yeah, that and, like... Pearl Thief. Pearl Thief is another great one. Um, but that's the thing. So Girl they, in the Blue Coat. Actually, that's the one they read. I recommended Ruta Zupetti's Girl in the Blue Coat was the one they read it. Or even Number the Stars. Like, throwing a Newberry in there for Pete's sake. Like, you know, there's, if you want to do that, I don't know about any YA books that are on Vietnam. If you do, please let us know. I'd be anxious to read them. Yeah, well, that's the thing. So it's like, okay, so there's that or there's,
1: um, well, recently now, I guess, there's been more books that would fall into, like, westward expansion.
0: That would be really cool. Because that, a new, that, that was a big... Trail, and yeah. That was, a big category, that was a big topic
1: that in my junior year that we covered, um, and we could read, like, um, Retribution Rail,
0: uh, Walk on Earth a Stranger. Yeah, there's just, like, slightly a little bit of magic in that one, but it's still... Okay, but still, it's historically but accurate. it's still about the
1: time period. Mm-hmm. Right, and so, so that's something, too, is I think maybe in the past there haven't been
0: as many books that would fit into those. Or, um, Fool's Gold is another one that that I read by Will Hobbs. He's a Colorado author. That's, it's about, that was how I first got interested in the California Gold Rush, Mm. was this, like, older books, you know? But then there's ones about the Civil War, you know? Like, uh, Charlie Skidaddle and, like, what's the other one? The new one? The new one. Dread Nation. Dread, Dread Nation, you know? Those are great to stick in there, you know? And I
1: think it's also, even though they may have, you know, some things that are, they're... Historical reimaginings, of course, but discuss that. Talk about talk about what is true to life in this and what isn't, and why. Yeah. Why? Why would somebody want to make that change? What are they trying to combat against, or what are they, um, what are they trying to tell you by changing this aspect of history? Yeah. Um, and I think in the past there hasn't been as many of those. I think it's been very YA. You know, YA is a new genre, like. It's still within our lifetimes. It's new, honestly. Like it, it really technically only got a name in the eighties. Um, I did a whole presentation on this in library school. Thank you, outsiders. <laughs> it got an, it's got it got a name in the eighties, and that may seem like a long time, but it's really not in terms of literature. And so,
0: I think the perception is no, that, we're still reading the Odyssey, people. We're, we're still reading right, the Odyssey, right?
1: And I think the perception is that there, the books that exist that are YA are, uh, fall into. To let let's say three categories um dystopian novels mm-hmm. uh contemporary romances yep. <laughs> or like high fantasy like aragon elvin kind of deals yep but that's not true anymore no. like we have alternative histories we have um contemporary books that are not romantic in nature mm-hmm. we have all these these really great branching,
0: and we have much more diverse characterization. Well, can you talk about, like, My Lady Jane? Like, look at what they're doing. Can we read My Lady Jane and Jane Eyre together and see what they're doing? You know, study Lady Jane Grey, and how, you know, what that history was like, and, oh yeah, delve into the whole symbolism of, like, people turning into animals or actually them being Catholics. Like talking about Protestants and Catholics, right. Do it! Why why wouldn't you it's so easy to get that conversation started and you'll blow teens minds with it too like you would I can imagine just you get a group of teens together and they're like wait what like when they hear about that it's like oh yeah this is actually symbolic of this you know and which is a lot of the point of literature classes it's always like well this is symbolic of this especially in the time periods yes like Yeah. You're also studying history while you're studying English. Why can't we study our own history? Why can't we study things that, you know, were written in the nineties? There's no high schoolers that were born in the nineties anymore. (laughs) That's history. Oh God.
1: There are no high schoolers that were born in the nineties. That makes me really sad. No. It makes me feel very old.
0: stopping point, actually, yeah, for our podcast today. I would love to hear what our listeners think um, about this issue. And, you know, if you are a high schooler or recently graduated high school, I would love to hear how it's changed. Because we're several years out of high school, like going on 10. And I really think that I'd be interested to hear within our time in high school and those of you who are listening that have just graduated or are in high school and what you're reading in your classes. And if it is similar or if there is a shift happening and just because we're older, we're not necessarily seeing it. Yeah. Is it, yeah.
1: Are, are your teachers making an effort? Are they allowing you to explore contemporary books rather than forcing old stuff down your throat?
0: Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. It'd be interesting for sure. I'm Kales. And I'm Allison. Now go read the thing.